Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello you miserable bastards and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast. My name is Jamie Coburn and joining me is Ross Davidson. Hello. And Mark Jarden. Alright. Uh, Craig is celebrating the anniversary of the day I spewed all over a bus on the way back from his wedding. It's a weird thing to celebrate but that's what he's doing. And Sam, I'm not actually quite sure where he is. He's and running a tumbola. Nice. He's doing a tumbola at the Falkirk players at Player of the Year dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well. We asked you for your questions, you have delivered, so we'll quickly get through the Hamilton game and then we'll talk about what questions you want us to answer. But we'll go to Ross, he was at the game representing Misery Hunters. Tell us. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> not much to say really, other than a kind of typical St Martin no-show against Aki's that we've seen a hundred times over in the past. Um, really insipid performance, and especially in that first half. It just team went through the motions, nobody really turned up. I'm not a great lover of the three-five-two formation. I don't know due to kind of Fraser's injury in the warm-up if we've had to kind of amend our, our plans to play three-five-two instead. But it just didn't work against Aki's, especially against a central midfield. I thought Boy Callahan ran the first half. He ran the whole game. To be honest, he was my man of the match. I thought he was great. Um, our midfield couldn't handle him. Didn't handle him. It was just a complete bad day at the office. Across the board, uh, you could pick holes in performances and criticise guys, um, guys that usually turn up for us every Saturday and things like that. But it's a bit of a nothing game. It's it's a dampener because it's against Aki's and everybody wants them to get down. But I think it was quite apparent that everybody was looking to the semi-final and this was just in the way. Nobody could really be asked with it. But hi, not good enough. But uh we move on, we move on to Sunday and uh, just draw a line under it. But as I said, uh, really poor. One of the, well, the worst performance in 50 years, if you <laughs> if you trust a guy that um, texts his Kilmarnock support uh, friend. I wouldn't go that far, but it was it was pretty poor. Mm-hmm. 
I think. How do you go, Mark? No, I was just going to say that deserves attention all on its own. That is <laughs> one of the shittest, wettest, bedwetting opinions I've ever seen. <laughs> that is absolutely horrendous. And if, if that was someone that listens to this that wrote that, then take, you're not allowed to listen to the rest of this podcast. I mean, sitting the notice there. <laughs> it sounds like some sort of maniac text my old man would send me after watching the highlights of sports scene. I had to check with him to make sure that he doesn't know any Kilmarnock fans. <laughs> Luckily, it's uh, it's not him, so we can pelt him, uh, this guy, because uh, <clears throat> if he's been watching someone for 50 years and that's the worst he's seen, I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you could probably pick a game out of most seasons that was that was worse right. than that. And I'm I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Look, think of the games before the Great Escape turned round. Oh, there was a three 0 at home to Queen of the South in that right. run, which is the worst I've ever felt leaving oh. leaving the football. from like losing took. I went with my my sister's boyfriend to that game who hadn't been to a summer game I think in two years. And I was I was really kind of you know, trying to talk it up, saying you know it would be, you know I don't have you been to the new guy? Oh, I don't know, right? Yeah, definitely. And it was so bad, and I haven't seen him in a game since. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was I'll, so I'll bad. That game, it was it was awful. It made Dobby and um, Derek Lyle up front just look like world beaters. <laughs> were just awful that day. But folk forget some of the shit we watched in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Some of the awful mm-hmm. players, management, everything that was involved with the kind of mid to late nineties. Till Tom Henry came in, some of the garbage we watched, and then guys that are a bit older or, or remember further back than that. <clears throat> and as you say, Mark, at that period of time was just horrific. Even under Tommy Craig, you could pick any fixture. That was <laughs> worse. Aye. Any um, game after we sold Kenny McLean. <laughs> aye. I know, exactly. So I don't know where the guy was coming from, but um, I was pretty pissed off on Saturday. Emotions were a wee bit high, but not as high as that guy. That was. Uh, <laughs> A really bad text to send one of your mates, I would think. So what you're saying, an investigation shouldn't be done on St Mirren match fixing? <laughs> nah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so, no. Um, I would agree with, with pretty much everything you've said there, Ross, like watching it from... I can only imagine what it was like watching it in, you know, in that you know zero crowd and all that, but it was it was flat as anything watching it from the, the house and, and trying not to kind of stay glued to Twitter the entire time because the, the whole whole town, whole fan base was in, in meltdown, I think. It was it was it was awful. I think um losing them um, losing Fraser right before kickoff isn't gonna isn't gonna help things at all. Particularly when, you know, he's not gonna be far from first, second or third in most people's player of the year in polls, I would I would say. But even then I think having, you know, I thought Henderson get hung out to dry a bit, being asked to play almost that kind of wing back role on the left, you know, every time we've seen him just now, which you've got to assume is his preferred position is High up on the right, without that kind of responsibility of having to to cover back nearly as much. Whereas you're you're sticking him in and asking him to run the full line um, against uh, an Aki's team, which is you know for all the, the shit we give them, they're, they're canny, they're, they they know what they're doing. Um, and I, I thought he was on a bit of a hiding to to nothing there, um, particularly if you've kind of prepared for the game to be something else, and then that's had to it's had to change. But it is what it is. Finlayson had to get his debut at some point. Where mm-hmm. you know we're we're keeping him. Um, we're keeping him for next season it would appear so had to play at some point you have to get thrown in Hamilton at home is probably a, you would have thought it would be a bit of a softball but with them fighting for their lives then no easy games and all that it, it just seemed like one of those days where um, you know everything that could have gone wrong went wrong mm-hmm. and um, and there didn't look to be any way to, to turn that until 
quite late on. I think like uh, Ross uh, hit the nail on the head there when you know we had one eye on the cup. We've got a big game coming up. Marcus Fraser apparently he's going to be fit for it so maybe it was just like a slight pull up not worth risking yeah. it especially with like like we're safe we don't really need to worry about too much league let's let's go for the cup why not um when you've got Hamilton who are fighting for their lives and they, they this is where they always come into their element in the last couple of games of the season um you know yeah it's disappointing we didn't beat them and we weren't the team to that got them relegated but um I'm not too fussed if we go on to beat St. Johnson on Sunday. Yeah, that's the that's the important one for, for sure. And, and I, again, I, I think that's, that's what I was, I was meaning about Finlayson. If you're going to chuck these guys in, yeah. it's for that game. It's to give anyone who's even you know a, a remote possibility of, of of being up against it for for them for next weekend. Then you you give it, you play it safe, and you you just get through that game and. And count what's there after. So I, I, I'm not. Um, I wouldn't say I'm particularly unhappy or, or angry about it. Whatever. It was just a. It was just a shite game. Yeah. A shite performance. Um, but not one to to define a season by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably just wrap that up there. Anybody want to comment on anything else about that? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> other than um, Lee Irwin's performance when oh, he came yeah, on, yeah. albeit he was on for half an hour, I thought he was the man's man of the match. I thought he was. <laughs> Excellent when they came on, which strangely used to kind of berating him and, and want more from him and, and accusing him of being an imposter of a footballer. But you give him credit when it's due, and I thought he was really good uh, when he came on for us for that last half an hour. He linked up really well with McAllister, actually. That could be a wee partnership. Don't know when we're likely to see it now because it's near the end of the season, but um, the two of them played off each other pretty well. At mm-hmm. That ball across the the part to to BJ for that chance uh, that he put over the bar was was inch perfect. I mean, he meant that it wasn't just a a hit and hope. It, it was an excellent pass, and for me, that's the best I've seen Erwin play for us. Albeit it was only thirty minutes, but that's what we'll be wanting more of from him in the early parts of the season. You know, even if he doesn't score, just bare minimum effort and performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he just looked credit for that. Him. Yeah, he just looked a bit ruthless. He looked as if he kind of had the, the bit between his teeth. He was, you know, he was chucking people about. The, the, the pass that, that you were saying there that he picked out was was an excellent one, and it was an aggressive pass to mm-hmm. to play. You know, there was there was safer stuff to do there, and, and stuff that you know, I dare say, five six games ago, he probably would have just taken the kind of easier route, or you know, maybe felt the pressure and, and just tried to get a shot off so that he could say that he'd got a shot off or or something. Whereas he, he just seemed to have that. That kind of composure and, and that kind of aggression about his his play that's that's been missing. I just wonder if if that had showed up. I know he's, he said I'm not saying every game he's played's been a bad game, and I don't think any of us think that. But if if that Lee Irwin had been on the pitch, you know, more in the last couple of months, then you know you just wonder what that might have done for mm-hmm. for where we finished up and, and our momentum um, and everything else. But but full credit to him, you know, if I'm I'm going to come on here and take the piss often enough I'll, <laughs> I'll absolutely put my, hold my hands up and say when he's had a good game that he's, he's had a good game and, and I, I hope he has as many of them as, as possible um, I think um, worth it worth mentioning as well like the, the goals that we, we did lose to, to Akis were both pretty pretty bad ones to lose I, I, you know we were, we were talking about Finless in there he, he didn't have the best 
the best start to things. I think there was a couple of times you get caught in, in possession or caught out by the flight of the ball. I think Hampton probably should have already been 1-0 up before they, they did score. Um, many he let his man kind of sneak round the, the side with these, you know, when he was he was facing back towards towards Anik. Um, and I think it's absolutely typical of that kind of game, that Aki's second goal. Um, <laughs> Moyo, you know, I, I think if you, if you interrogated Moyo properly under the under a spotlight, he would eventually admit that he had literally no idea what he was doing when that ball hit his foot and, and trickled into the into the goal. Um, I, I was mentioning before we we started that I get dug out on Twitter for saying that the first goal was a scramble as well. Like it's literally like thirty seconds of head tennis and then a a bumbled volley where he can't see the goal that bounces twice before it goes in. It's the absolute definition of a scrambled goal. And it was just the kind of day where that kind of stuff was going to go in against us, and nothing we were trying was was coming off. It's I don't think it hints at a bigger problem at all. Going back to uh, the points that were being made about Erwin, do you think this could be Goodwin's effect on him? Because we know in the past those players who have maybe not kicked their ass as much as they should have, and we've heard stories about Goodwin basically telling them to buck their ideas up or they're out kind of thing, and we saw that kind of light a fire under like Elke Dormus. Do you think even we have, we've had injuries, so we've been forced to use Erwin. Erwin's not produced, and this is Goodwin finally getting his message through. Uh, potentially, I mean the the cynic in me reckons that Erwin knows that he's teased out at some mum, mm-hmm. and this is him turning up to show other teams what he's potentially capable of, and maybe for them to have a sniff and, and take him on it. I can't see see him staying beyond the summer, in all honesty, but. Who knows if he puts performances like that in between now and the end of the season? Then you never know. But a good one will definitely have an, have had an effect on him, like he did with Dunmus, as you say. Totally different player, mm-hmm. Dunmus now. When you consider what he was like when he first came in, who knows if it was a the good one effect? But just the cynic in me thinks that Erwin's playing for a contract elsewhere because he knows he's at the door here. I think Goodwin will. I think if that's the the thought. On, on Erwin in the club and you would kind of expect it to be then Erwin will know that Goodwin's a, an upfront guy it, it won't be a secret he'll have he'll have already spoken to the guys that are not signed up for next year that he wants to be or the ones that he wants to extend and you'd imagine most of your guys you know like you know you've got to imagine Marias was told in, in January that he wouldn't be getting a contract and that's why he's you know actively gone out and got a move you've got to imagine Erwin knows that that's potentially on the cards and if this is his response to it and, and we do get a tune out of him then then all the better a, a fit, motivated and kind of confidently Erwin's not a bad option to have at all. Mm-hmm. But we, we would need to see just a bit more, I think, before people would get given the benefit of the doubt. Uh, so we'll, we'll move on to the questions. Um, I think this is why everybody's tuned in anyway. Um, kind of leads into normally talking about the St. Johnson game. Uh, two people have actually put in the same question. Uh, Robbie Nelson, not Nelson, and um, Ben Smith have asked, who would you go with up top on Sunday against St. Johnson? Um, it depends. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, as a sole striker, Dennis. Mm-hmm. As a two, Dennis and Erwin. Probably... Uh, Quainer just I don't think I don't want to go back to the Hamilton game but Quainer was really really poor on uh, Saturday just didn't do anything I mean even his own players were losing the plot with him at one point he just he doesn't do it for me Quainer I know he had that kind of turn of pace against County and, and set that up and that, that's great 
we scored a goal from it, but I just don't think he has it. So I think the options are either Dennis on his own, Erwin on his own, or, or the two of them up front next to each other. But I'm not too sure that the deal with Brophy if he's cup tied or not. But if he isn't, I would do all we can to get him mm-hmm. to get half an hour or get a tune out of him from the beginning and take him off. I'd much rather that than um, coming on when we're chasing the game, maybe or whatever. I would rather start him if he can. Mm-hmm. But um, if he's not the option, then probably Dennis on his own. Yeah, I'm not against Quainer coming in off the off the bench. I think. I think the weekend and everything else is probably kind of proof that he can be very, you know, can make a real impact when he comes off the bench and stretches a game. But relying on him to do that for ninety minutes is is maybe a just bit a, a bit beyond him, and not really for for us it would appear. Um, I think the, the same as yourself. I, I think first choice has got to be Dennis at this stage. Mm-hmm. Depends what kind of game Goodwin's wanting to play. Um, I, mean, I think St Johnston always play three across the back. Yeah. So if if that's the case, you've got to assume Goodwin will want two to to try and stretch them, and then you've got presumably McGrath coming in as a ten and, and pushing on to to kind of stretch that as well. Someone on their own against that, even with wingers, might just get nullified a bit by by St Johnston. That might that might dictate. I'm, I'm not again against um, McAllister playing off someone. I think you know we've we've, done, we've seen that happen um, successfully enough times and I'm, I'm seem to remember I'm doing well against Celtic playing that almost kind of second striker role mm-hmm. um, and, and he did look he did look good he, he looked he looked dangerous um, when he was last on as well so I think you've got to assume Dennis is one of them I, I can I can see it being Dennis and Erwin if that's the case but I just wonder if Goodwin fancies you know even even McAllister and, and McGrath playing behind Playing behind Dennis and trying to, to push on it or something like that, but uh, I would I would certainly be having Dennis in his first choice. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, Christian Dennis, and I'd have Joe Shaughnessy playing up with him as well. Um, <laughs> we saw an absolute masterclass up front with him against Kilmarnock. So the goat. <laughs> um, uh, next one uh, from Ryan Craig. Would you rather have a shirt number retired on your honour or a stand named after you? Stand. Yeah, it's more have. prestigious, yeah. I would say. I think he'd forget uh, why that number was not used after a while. Yeah. I think uh, um, with my surname, it would kill me if I was going to St. Games and there was a Jardin stand and every every Saturday or every second Saturday in life, I had to hear people call it Jardine and <laughs> it would just it would get under my skin so maybe the shirt number is just an easier way to get around it. Uh, well, now that you mention that with my surname, I think that could be a possibility. <laughs> Always laugh. Going and sitting in the cock end. <laughs> when I, I remember a football manager, uh, I think it was 2013, Marial Madrid save was outstanding that they built a 500,000 seater arena called the Jamie Coburn Arena. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and a stand all day long for me. Fair, I, I'd stand, I, I'd go for despite my name. Just to hear people go, actually, it's Coburn. Um, <laughs> um, who would you like to sign in the summer? This is quite an open question, but I'll just make it like, if you could choose one player, who would you like to sign in the summer? Uh, when they'd shown last night, uh, I wouldn't mind getting Marez back in for a trial. <laughs> uh, Definite potential. Just hide the bikes. Realistically... Uh, I didn't think he was much a player until Saturday, but uh, Callahan mm. um, from Hamilton. Uh, there's, there's more players, uh, there's players higher up that I would prefer us to sign, and 
of a, of a kind of better stature. But with the issues we had in the midfield on Saturday, with nobody to kind of get kind of get the ball, drive it forward like an old or like a young Stephen McGinn used to do. Yeah, I think Callahan done that for Aki's on uh, Saturday. He was really impressive. Um, I know he's out of contract in the summer. I don't think we could go far wrong with at least asking the question or having him um, as a squad player for next season. I was really impressed by him. So just off the back of recent memory, I would go with Ross Callahan. I think um, a lot of it depends on who who stays and, and who goes. I would have loved to have had Danny McKay. Um, yeah, he was on my list. Um, looks like a really exciting player from from what little I've, I've seen, but it looks like Hibs have got him wrapped up, mm. unfortunately. Um, Regan Hendry is the name that keeps getting thrown about, and, and again, everything I've seen of, of him I've, I've liked. You've got to assume that was the reason Goodwin was mm-hmm. at that. Um, was it Dunfermline race? Yeah. Um, that, that midweeker that he was at um, looks like a very talented player and, and out of contract again. So, if um, you know if we're not keeping Doyle Hayes or, or whatever else, then bringing someone in who's going to be very comfortable on the ball, who can who can maybe replace some of, of what Doyle Hayes has been doing well, I think so. You know, got to be a priority for for the summer. Um, and then I, I'd love to just have a six foot two. 20 goal a season striker who <laughs> always puts a shift in and, but I, I, I don't know where you would find one of them so. <laughs> I'm sure there's one you. floating about Ireland yeah there will be probably or Northern Cyprus Cody Cook back. <laughs> what happened off the back I remember Mehmet was tweeting about his Scottish football return oh, yeah. was that just a wind up or no, I, I don't think so. I, I, don't think, think. I mean, I track his sleepless nights, Mark. So yeah, I, I, I track his um, I track his social media presence quite closely, <laughs> and uh, I didn't ever see anything that confirmed the rumours. Unfortunately, I think he might have just been joking because he saw Gus and Stephen go to Stephen yeah. go to uh, Martin that he probably went fuck. I'll just put this out and see what they say. Okay. If, uh, if 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 Mehmet had returned, had signed for Morton and overseeing them getting battered in that playoff, then my firstborn is getting called <laughs> either Billy or Mehmet. I mean, Billy will be quite a popular name in that area of Ayrshire that you live in. But, um... <laughs> yes. may, uh, may actually be a bit of a barrier. <laughs> Just uh, see on the subject of the, of the signings, I, I suppose it's a podcast in itself, potential signings and where we can yeah. fill in, but I wouldn't mind us having an and ask a Hibs about Scott Allen. It's literally the player I was going to say. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, I would 100%. ask him as well. I think the, the prospect of, I know McGrath may or may not be away or say he stays, but the prospect of Allen in behind Brophy and Dennis is, mm-hmm. I think that'd be a fantastic front three. Um, so I wouldn't be asking the question. Need to be realistic about Jamie McGrath as well. It looks like there's a, a growing bit of attention there. So yeah. we might very well find ourselves in the situation where A, you've got a little bit of money there to probably throw out wages instead of a, a transfer fee. But yeah, a big hole in this year's team. That's a lot of goals you need to replace mm-hmm. potentially. So Scott Allen, I think, would absolutely fit that bit. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say Scott Allen and I'm, I'm more than happy for that. I think... I know that the McGrath question is something else that we can come on to in another podcast. Um, I think it really can depend on where we finish this season. Like um, if we finish cup winners and I know there's rumours about or there's this whole thing with we might not get European football even if we win. I mean, I think there's a question relating to that soon that we hope we'll get on to. I think we'll have a really, really strong chance of keeping them if that happens. But yeah. um, we'll see, we'll see. Um, L has asked... Uh, 
what one game from this season do you wish you could watch in person with a full crowd? And I think this is going to be quite an obvious one for everybody. It'll be the, the Rangers game uh, in the Cup. Uh, yeah. Aye, I would yeah. say so. Mm-hmm. There's um, no other answer, is there? That, nah. it, that is an absolute ending up three rows and four seats from where you yeah. started when that third goal goes in. <laughs> Hugging oh, someone I... that you've called a prick as you left the stadium <laughs> every every fortnight for the last year. Um, and falling in like just... Aye, that, that's the... That's the one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Aye, no question. Rangers game. Yeah, I think, as you said there, that's just one where you're, like, it is the the manner that we won that in, like, I'm pretty sure even if we all had work the next day, we'd all be phoning in sick, like, no one would be going to work <laughs> that day. It's um, the, a, a definite game where, you know, with the time of year as well, with mm-hmm. it being so cold, that, like, the amount of games I've, I've, I've gone, like, midweekers, I've been into work on the Thursday and, in my, my former job I, I had to make like if I was in work for nine hours I'd be on the phone for like five six hours of it and uh, having shouted at a last minute winner and having literally no voice left whatsoever because I can't control the the kind of rasp that comes out whenever I go like that because I would have been a, I would have been absolutely done in I think just, just we were mentioning night games there I think something's going to be a bit more special yeah. a night game especially in the manner or the way we won that I think if that was Saturday at three o'clock, it's don't get me wrong, it's still a great feeling, but I just there's something a wee bit extra about night games under the floodlights mm-hmm. and the way yeah, it ended, totally. it, it'd be incredible to, to have been there, you know. And um, I think the only other game, like see the one against Parkhead when we beat Celtic at Parkhead, that would have been good just for the fact that you would have got oh. to see how miserable their fucking faces would have been. It would have <laughs> That's been actually better. Famous. Yeah, it's better as an away game. Uh-huh. That is that is hands down an away game that you'd. I, I think we tend to take a pretty good um, kind of atmosphere, and given it's the shittest away section in Scotland, mm-hmm. I think we we you know with the drum and everything else, we tend to do quite. Well. I always remember the the Scottish Cup game under under Ross where we were one 0 up at half time. That the atmosphere that day yeah. was absolutely electric. You could hear us all around the the stadium. Had people texting me the entire time and. Um, saying that and to be there at appointment like they were all losing their shit anyway and throwing <laughs> throwing sharks at players and all that and it would have been it would have been brilliant to be right in the middle of that on what you've got to assume is their lowest ebb <laughs> taking a tanking off us so uh, that would have been that would have been a, a great away day to be in but I, I, again it's the it's yeah. the Rangers at home one because everyone would be there I think that's what really makes me miss the home games like winning at Parkhead yeah fair enough but it's on Park that you're missing the most and you, you want to be back in with a full crowd especially some yeah. of the games we've played this season which have been excellent and it's just a shame that the atmosphere is not there we've got players in this squad that have never even witnessed that atmosphere and don't know what it's like yeah. and that could easily have lifted their game even more um, it is a shame but hopefully we'll all be yeah. back soon uh, I mean can you imagine the- we could have one of our most exciting prospects in many a year and Jamie McGrath and we could never have seen him play football live, really, in a crowd. I mean, that's that's crazy to think. There's some guys that have played for us this season that some on sports just never watched live Doyle inside Hayes. the ground. Doyle Hayes, exactly, Doyle. Aye, or, or whoever else. It's um, Joe Shaughnessy. Um, Joe Shaughnessy. It's just mad, you know. Hopefully, we get back soon. Man. There's a bit of pressure put on, I think, um, and we get in the grounds. Yeah. Well, did you see? I was like flicking the other day and the snooker was on in Sheffield and it was full mm-hmm. and that's and there yeah, was no social distancing event, wasn't it? 
Um, and that's indoors, so surely if they can do that indoors with the snooker, you can get that done um, with football outside, thing. you would think. Um, uh, we'll just move on. Uh, <laughs> Stephen has asked, have you ever been drunk in a foreign country and got lost? Best story wins. <laughs> yes, many times, but I don't really have any good stories. It's just about me getting drunk and getting lost. <laughs> I don't really... Uh, I don't have any decent stories to tell, I'm afraid. I've only got one foreign drunk story, and I, I didn't get lost. I just get spiked. Um, we were in a, in a, it was a mate's birthday, and we went to Prague, and we went into this um, pub, and it was literally the first pub we'd been in. And this guy comes from behind the bar and goes, "Do you want a free shot?" And I was like, "Yeah, why not?" And he goes, "Okay." And he went back and gave us a shot, and it was a shot of Jameson's. And um, he then went. <laughs> he, he then went uh, do you think I work here? I was like uh, yes he goes nah, I do not work here <laughs> oh okay and then he went do you, do you want to see a picture of my cock? and I was like um, <laughs> again no 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 he was like you sure it's nice cock and I was like no I'm okay I'm fine he's like ah, you're lost and then genuinely felt like I had 15 drinks hit me at once <laughs> so like all my pals and stuff are pure worrying over me as one of my other pals at the, at the back collapses because he's clearly been spiked as well and what yeah. happens is this guy comes from the side of the bar again steps over the colla- <laughs> steps over the collapsed friend goes to one of my other mates and goes do you want a free shot <laughs> we're just like no nah, we're probably gonna head now <laughs> you you massively undersold that story <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the closest i've come abroad um was in my first ever like lads holiday we went to to Zante, I think when I was 19 and uh, I'd been out with a, a girl off my uni course for like 18 months and uh, we broke up over the phone on the second night of my holiday <laughs> and uh, I spent an entire holiday's worth of money in that one night getting out and getting absolutely trolled and uh, I, I don't remember it which is why I can't really claim it as a getting lost abroad story but I, I was woken up on the beach um, by two of my pals who for some reason at three in the morning were walking up and down the beach um, and spotted me face down on a lounger <laughs> out my bin and, uh, and dragged me back to the hotel room um, and shamefully I phoned my mum and dad the next day and said that I'd been pickpocketed and didn't have any money and they funded the, the next three days of my holiday before I come home I hope they don't which was very nice of them yeah, well, I, I did admit that a couple of years ago <laughs> um, I thought that enough time had passed and I, I brought it up um, the, the one time that I've actually been lost and uh, I mentioned this on I think I, I think I mentioned it kind of broadly on Twitter before Christmas but I did mention it to someone else that I would say this um, in lieu of another abroad story is uh, I was on my Christmas night out I think four years ago now or about four and uh, we were in Braille and it's a, a very very long story short but uh, I was already too drunk and then there was a misunderstanding and I thought the solution to that misunderstanding was to mind sweep our entire company table out, out the back at Braille and at one point there was like 14 people there so there was like full cans of um, craft beer that people had ordered because they looked funny and then never drank, there was like half bottles of Prosecco I, I just, I, I, at one point someone had to stop me try to drink a candle um, <laughs> and I've got photos with the wax down the, the jumper to, to prove it but um, basically at that point I blacked out so that's the last thing that I remember um, in the meantime, which I was told later, I've um, instead of being sent home, they've, they've decided it would be funny to put me in a taxi with uh, with two others and go to a pub um, in the city centre 
um, away from the, the West End. So I've, I've, I've got zero memory of this whatsoever. Some, somehow I get into the pub that we get dropped off at. They, they just say, oh, we won't get them a, a drink. Apparently I come up to the bar, met the people that had already left the work night out and gone there. Um, they offered me a glass of something. I said no and disappeared. And they thought, oh, I must have gone home. So <laughs> the next thing that I remember is, um, oh, I say I remember, I open my eyes and it is literally pitch black. Like there is not a glimmer of light anywhere. And I kind of feel around my surroundings and realise that I'm obviously sitting on a toilet. My boxers and my <laughs> suit trousers are at my ankles. Um, and I've got no idea where I am. Uh, I get my phone out my pocket, which is like lying on the floor. And uh, my phone flashes up and says, I think it was four four twenty three in the morning or something. And, uh, and then dies phone completely dead so I don't have the light off my phone don't have anything so scramble up my up my trousers get my jacket back off the other end of the cubicle floor uh, feel around for the door go out into the into the bathroom and uh, I no lights out there either no indicate, indication of where I am the last thing I remember I'm in the west I'm on Ashton Lane so I'm like oh, where the fuck am I uh, <laughs> open the, the door and like from the toilets out into the the kind of what I am assuming is like the main bit of the pub and I'm at the foot, at the foot of a set of stairs with no lights you can just kind of see a light up at the top of the stairs so I'm like fuck it right I'll need to go up to the top of the stairs so feel my way all the way up like Spider-Man walking up with one hand on the wall all the way up to the, the top of the stairs and it opens out into this big pub which I have never seen before in my life I have no idea where I am whatsoever and at that point all the alarms in the pub go off <laughs> there's no one there I'm like what the fuck is going on Um so I, I look around to see if there's a name of the pub anywhere. Can't see anything. No menus, no posters, no no nothing. Can't see anything at all. Uh, phone's dead. I'm thinking, right, well, if the alarms are going off, someone will be here um, to, to switch that off. So I just sit down at the table. Every now and then the alarm stops. So I have to like wave my hands up in the air and get the <laughs> alarms to start again. I, what I'm assuming is about like an hour passes and nothing happens. And at that point, I'm obviously starting to panic a wee bit and lose the heat, thinking I'm going to be here until... I don't know, like 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning. And at that point, like no one knows where I am whatsoever. I'd, I'd been living with my, my girlfriend for like four months at that point. Um, so she will have no idea where I've ended up. She'll probably speak to my mum and dad. They'll have no idea where I am. Mad panic. So right, I'm thinking right, I need to do something else. So I'd say to go behind the bar. And uh, I think I actually put my hands up and apologised to the CCTV. And was like, I'm not I'm not robbing you. Like I'm like gesturing money and then like trying to put an X through it saying that I'm not trying to steal you your money and I start looking behind the bar for a phone um, and eventually eventually, I, I thought I might find a phone charger but I find their like landline phone so I pick it up and I'm like right fine I'm saved and then realise that I'm out my nut and my phone's dead and I literally don't know anyone's phone number <laughs> so I'm like I can act on my mum and dad's house which I'd moved out of like several months previously so so right going to need to be phoning my mum and dad so phone them wake, wake my mum up at half five in the morning she he hears like my voice and then hears alarms going off in the background and obviously it's like where are you i have to tell my mum that i don't know where i am <laughs> she's like well what do you want me to do about it like, i don't know i'm just phoning you because i can't think of it it's the phone um she's like right well hang up and then i'll do one four seven one and i'll get the number and then i can at least like google what the number's for and then try and track you down that way so i'm like right perfect hang up the phone Nothing happens. Turns out my mum one four seven one and the number was withheld when she phoned. <laughs> so my mum just phoned the police at that point. Um, gets through to them. 
He's like, oh, my son's in a pub locked in in Glasgow and he can't get out. And I'm like, oh, which pub is it? And so I just get no idea. So I don't know. It's like, oh, the, the, the alarm's been going off at um, a pub in the in the Merchant City for like an hour. Um, we've already contacted the key holders, but they live like an hour away. So um, so it's probably that one. She goes, yeah, it sounds like that's probably the one. And uh, like, right, well, we'll we'll get to him and we'll get it sorted. So my mum dispatched my dad up to the Merchant City and he sat outside that pub for the half hour or whatever it was. And then eventually the, the key holder rolls in and I'm just sitting behind the, sitting behind the bar, just like, all right, mate, how's it going? And uh, he let me back out, dropped me back. My dad dropped me back at my, my flat. Climbed into my bed to my girlfriend who'd been asleep the entire time and hadn't seen the the twenty texts on a phone from my mum saying don't panic he's absolutely fine <laughs> and uh, she then woke me up at ten o'clock to absolutely tear through me for the <laughs> for the experience I put everyone else through um, so to that day I've, I, to my mind I've still not been in that pub I've, the fear must have been terrible the next day. Uh, unreal and the fact it was a work night as well oh of course. And, uh, yeah. So it turns out one of them had said that he would go and check the toilets when they were leaving the, the pub at one because they hadn't seen me in like 40 minutes at that point because I think the pub shut at half 12. And uh, I'd, we'd got in there like not that long before midnight, so I'd been asleep alone in that toilet for four hours. So there we go. I don't... Um, I think I've told you guys' stories before. It's not about getting lost, but it's about getting drunk on holiday. I got drunk in Cancun and get robbed by a lady of the night that turned out not to be a lady. <laughs> <laughs> You've not told us that story. <laughs> when, you say, when you say robbed, were you robbed of money or were you robbed of the experience you thought you were having? Uh, robbed of... Um, <laughs> of a certain virginity. <laughs> uh, the good sir was trying to procure some business. But I was sitting in a bus stop and um, she or he was... Uh, kind of rubbing the old thigh and all that and uh, whispering sweet nothings. Shared a wee kiss, as you do it. But little did I know that my mate Hammy was coming out there dancing and going, Ross, what are you doing? That's a guy. <clears throat> uh, let's go. Let's get out of here. That's not a guy, right? So it was obviously like, it wasn't a guy. I didn't have a moustache and a pair of winkle pickers on. It was obviously, <laughs> uh, I think she might have paid a visit to to, uh, Thailand and came back one of those ladies and uh, so my mate decided me to drag me away <coughs> or away to get a taxi and I put my hands in my pocket to find out that my hotel key and all my money was gone and I could only have figured out that it was uh, the friendly gentleman from 10 minutes ago Carlos <laughs> so, was only up the road with a pocket full of pesos uh, so I was arguing with my mate <coughs> who was adamant it was a bloke so he says right, right forget the taxi uh, we'll get a taxi in a minute. I'll take you back and I'll point this guy out. Pointed about sitting at the bus stop I was sitting at, and I'm not kidding you, jaw at David Coulthard. Like, he's <laughs> <laughs> a stick on block. <laughs> and uh, so I never get lost, but I kind of lost my dignity, if you want to call it that, on holiday. But uh, so I said to my mate Hammy, right, okay, this is uh, we're on holiday with 12 of our mates. This is obviously a big thing. Please keep this between us, don't say a thing and we go back and obviously there's always one room in holiday that you all congregate in so effectively Hammy we had both arrived at the same time and Hammy's kicked the door in <laughs> said hey boys you'll never guess Davidson's just got up with a guy <laughs> <laughs> 
And now you've just shared it with everybody who's listened to the so podcast. So I'll never, uh, I'll never ever love that then, but it's a great story, man. That is a good story. Um, <laughs> um, I'm still in touch, though. I did him on LinkedIn. Aye. Uh, we'll move back on to something a bit more on topic. Um, <laughs> if you could, if you could, I have... need to cut that out, Jamie. Yeah? <laughs> we'll see. Don't know what I was thinking about. <laughs> Uh, if you could have one player from recent history, last 10 years or so, re-signed for the club, who would it be? This is from Finn Boyd. He said, for me, it would be Mighty Stelios. Erratic, but brings a sense of class. Plus, the idea of Stelios and Dormos on the left wing would be terrifying. Would be a terrifying prospect. I don't know how far back we go, but uh, Kenny McLean. Hmm. I loved watching Kenny McLean. I thought he was brilliant. <clears throat> Especially that season when he got sold to Aberdeen, he almost single-handedly kept us up for such a young lad in the early stages of his career. I, I thought he was excellent um, for us. Doesn't get the credit he deserves, really, uh, during that period. Um, so yeah. it be him or Dorman, probably. Mm. I really liked Andy Dorman. I think <laughs> he would fit in nicely to the way we play at the moment. He's a sort of player midfield that we miss, I think. Very, very, yeah. like, when you actually think about it, he's quite a similar player to the way McGrath can play sometimes, so... Aye, he's, just, he's very good at gambling going beyond, which I think McGrath needs to do more of, yeah. but uh, probably one of those two, I would say, uh, depending on how far back you're taking it. But mm-hmm. I think with um, with Kenny McLean, he's almost a, he's a different player now than, than what we had, yeah. particularly that last season. <laughs> that, I mean, it seemed like at some points he was the only player in attack, mm-hmm. going up to that um, January when he, when he left, and then he kind of very quickly became a, a holding midfielder at um, at Aberdeen and, and does a fine job of that but if, if you were getting back the Kenny McLean that was you know particularly that last half season and um, but maybe the, the season before that as well you could include um, that was such a, a goal threat constantly I, I don't think we've seen a player like that again um, since he left in terms of how, how direct he was at times um, I'd absolutely take that I, I think um, I think a, you know a, a kind of on form Lewis Morgan in our current team, I think would would absolutely tear it up. I think that we're a better we're a better squad now, I think, than mm. certainly stronger. Stronger at the back at least, um, than we were in most of the teams that relevance that he would have lined up in. And I think he would have a a bit of a field day, particularly with someone like Dermis to, to kind of bounce off of in the other the other wing. Um mm. and then obviously um, the answer to any question where it's possible is Billy Mehmet I would ask you all just to respect my decision <laughs> I, I would say even like if, we're, if it could be anybody like John McGinn would be would, yeah. would be absolutely fantastic in our midfield as, I mean he, he, of course he would realistically if we had a realistic chance maybe Stevie Mallon but um, yeah I'll go with that mm-hmm. yeah particularly if we got the Mallon back that we had when he left yeah um, I watched him um, I think he retweeted fairly recently the the hat trick that never was um, at the end of the the Great Escape season, which I would absolutely that his performance that day I would absolutely have up there in my top top five top three single day like single match performances I've seen from a a certain player. It was just so typical of what the team was doing at that point where everyone was up for it. We were absolutely ruthless at times. Um, getting towards the end of that season and we just went out and absolutely, I think we bodied Morton just mm-hmm. just before it and then went out and absolutely bodied them so much that John Hughes came out and essentially resigned from any football management job ever again in his interview after that match. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but the fact that we relegated him and Ian McCall in one season is something that I will get never never get tired of of remembering. Um, but I, so I, if, if that's um, if that's how you were getting back, then then I think absolutely. It's just again similar to McLean. What's his game now? Is it has it been changed kind of irreversibly by what he's been asked to do at Hibs and and maybe not quite happening for him there as, as much as it should be. But in a in a hypothetical, uh, I would love to see Malin back. How's it, how's it getting on in Turkey? Just I, remember, I remember when he first went, he, he played well in like his debut, but we've not really heard much since. I do, yeah. um, I, I do check from time to time because I'm a bit of a, a bit of a sad act if I'm sitting with not much to do. Then I'm on live scoring, checking what the, you know, what the bottom wood score was to see how uh, Junior's getting on in, in Weymouth yep. for Cody Cook, and I'll check. Uh, is it is it Metalliaspor? Yeni Yeni Metalliaspor, I think Malin plays for, um, and I, I think he started off quite well, but now. Um, I think he's on the bench and he's lucky if he gets on mm. in the second half so I can't imagine he'll be staying out there so he, he probably will be available at the end of the season I, mean, I wonder um, just on the touch of Marlon sorry Jamie that um, before he went to Turkey there was a wee rumour mm-hmm. sniffing about I don't know if he might that or if, if it was just paper talk that's another one that I'd imagine if, if that's what Goodwin sees as McAllister's kind of role in the team you know that kind of no strings 10 kind of floating about and it's between him and McGrath and you wonder if you're going to spend reasonable money on a third mm. option to, to yeah. do that. Whereas if McGrath goes, then we need someone capable of of the, the kind of unexpected. Um, and, he, and I'd be amazed if he wasn't on that list. I mean, I did see on Instagram that he got a, a did he get like a bar put in his house or something like that, and he had to sit on top up in the bar. So uh, I, I imagine he's back at the moment. Um, but. Um, um, Robbie Collins asks player of the season probably won't answer that just now because that's a whole podcast within itself um, Harry Carswell what superpower would you want to have? Visibility because I'm a weirdo <coughs> <laughs> and it allows me to do weird things without being seen I would like I'm, not, joking. I'm not a weirdo <laughs> I'd like the superpower of Michael Stewart's confidence to come out and talk that amount of <laughs> shit on a weekly basis and still assume that he's the smartest guy in the room. Aye, that's that's a great shout. I would, uh, just off the back of what I said before, I wouldn't mind the superpower ability to rewind time and not fucking <laughs> winch some guy in a, a stop bench in Mexico. <laughs> X-ray vision might have helped you on that one, Sally. Uh, aye, definitely, aye. Yeah. I, uh, I think we had a big discussion in work once when it was really quiet, and I said teleportation. I'd love just to be able to just like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to San Francisco for a day. Ah, it's a good joke. I'd love the the football to finish and to be able to snap your I know your fingers and be back in the house. Sometimes the the thirty minute drive back uh, back to darkest Ayrshire after we've been sullied two one at home <laughs> by by Motherwell is a shiter. Uh, Stuarty Mick has asked, <laughs> "What is going on with the UEFA stuff?" Uh, when we've been using the ground for UEFA and FIFA matches, is it a financial youth or do UEFA just hate the kibble? <laughs> I think uh, going by a lot of tweets, everybody hates the kibble for some reason. Uh, I'm going to get that that's charity doing all that stuff for people that need it. And- I, I think this is just the outcome of everyone being raised being threatened that they'd be sent to the bad boys at the kibble. Uh, this is that. This is just how we get back at them. <laughs> the bad boys uh, have taken over. I don't. I don't know what everybody's issue is with the kibble. That's a whole other thing to talk about, I suppose. But I kind of looked it up a, a wee touch, and I think 
I don't really know what the issue is. I think we don't satisfy the SFA requirements. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's strange because I saw like we've got the same ratings across the board as St Johnson, but St Johnson have mm-hmm. qualified for it and we haven't. So I don't know what that is. Though. I've seen a lot of people mention the the youth thing, um, and Livy um, seemingly refused as well, and they don't have a youth system. Mm-hmm. Um, but from from what I know, and I'm you know I'm not claiming to know any more than anyone else. Um, I don't think our youth system would be different to the extent that other people would get granted and we, and we wouldn't. I think, you know, we, we would have furloughed people and, and kids wouldn't have been able to play for large large parts of the last season, but that's going to be the same for everybody. For pretty much every yeah. club there and, and plenty of them have been been, um, been accepted for it. So I don't think the answer lies at the bottom of that, but we're all just speculating, yeah. I guess. The, the, the capacity things are interesting point I saw some people um, I think maybe Sam had mentioned it on WhatsApp that there was talk of our capacity going under 8,000 might be a, might be an issue I mean but there's been plenty of absolute shanners that have, yeah. mm-hmm. have made it I mean did Dundalk have a stadium bigger than 8,000 okay. they were in the group so. stage of Europa League before like I don't know but I think there's a, a quite extensive appeals process I think it's due to get held after the semi so I think <coughs> we're keeping our powder dry right. to find out if we Win that semi and then attack it, but uh, but there's kind of rumours are that it's pretty simple to satisfy whatever the demands are of us, and we should be okay. Yeah. But I generally think if we qualify for Europe, we're going to get in. I don't think the sc- I don't uh, even think okay. the SPFL will want to block a team going in because it helps the, f- the league surely. Yeah. Aye, and I think if it's a ground thing, then you share with someone, yeah. or other teams of hearts done it with Murrayfield and things like that. Yeah. Nothing's insurmountable. I don't think. Aye, I think uh, it's not as if um, it's not as if like, we've been in administration three times and yeah, and or been liquidated. Hi Rangers, mm. <laughs> and had to reapply for all that kind of stuff. Like I, I, you've got to assume it's just a technicality. You know, it would be very us to just have not play, paid for a certification because we've never needed it mm. or something like that. And that now for the first time needing to be chased up in the new stadium or something. Who knows? Differently, Dave has asked. <laughs> Would would you rather watch St Mirren with Lewis Hamilton or Hamilton Ackies with Helen Mirren? Uh, First of all, best question by oh, tremendous by a distance, absolutely world class. I'd, I'd watch Hamilton with Helen Mirren. I think I would agree with that. She's uh, a bit of stuff for an older lady, so <laughs> I'd try and put the groundwork in and then take her back to the Lonsdale for a <laughs> burger and chips. <laughs> It would have to be something, something pretty objectionable for me not to want to take Helen Mirren along um, of a Saturday afternoon, um, and it would have to be something particularly special for me want to to want to spend the afternoon with a Formula One driver, <laughs> any Formula One driver. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like an enjoyable like, afternoon, like sitting like Lewis Hamilton. Like, this guy lives in Monaco yeah. and probably has his watches that cost more than my house. What the fuck am I going to tell him about Fiji? No. Like, if I, you, like I, Helen Mirren seems more of this world. Like, I know many, no many people would pass up an afternoon to take Helen Mirren up the Ackies. <laughs> um, I mean, the only way would be if like Lewis Hamilton was giving me some of the money that he should be paying taxes or something. Like, if he gave that to me personally, <laughs> then I'd be like, fair enough, I'll hang about with him. But he's a vegan, isn't he? I'll try and convince you. To- get a, a cabbage supper for the chippy on the way home or something <laughs> oh yeah but he's a vegan because of his uh, because of the, uh, environment. the environment <laughs> <laughs> I know. Mental. Um, 
Uh, this one is a is a two parter. Um, are baked beans a legitimate part of the Great Scottish Breakfast? Yes. And are Falkirk the shittiest pack of bottlers in the history of Scottish football? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, double barrel. Like, yes. Baked beans are a negative for me. I hate them. Not I, 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 I like baked beans, but only on toast. Like I, I wouldn't have it <laughs> with a with a fry up. No spaghetti <sighs> hoops for me. Thanks. If we're talking a proper Scottish breakfast, <laughs> here where you've got you've got all the big hitters in there, you've got your square sausage black pudding you've got your toast tatties gone and everything else you need something you need something to, yeah, to mix I'll, it all I'll up you know them all individually yeah but I'll have my fried eggs with a runny yolk I'll have some haggis on the side there as well just a wee drop brown sauce loads of brown sauce you don't need yeah. beans you're missing out boys <laughs> <laughs> Chris Daly has asked a question yeah, I think he asked another one later but uh, this is actually quite a good question and all of us have experienced one of these well, we'll probably experience both of these. Uh, is it kissing uh, debatable? <laughs> Would you rather return to the stadium to watch St Mirren completely on your own with zero atmosphere? We've all done that this season. Or with a stadium full of idiots who pick on one particular player and slaughter them undeservedly the whole game? Maybe, maybe, this is, maybe this is Chris's point, but that is every home game. <laughs> Fucking hell, McCausland. Every single week. Uh, <clears throat> no, yeah, I'd, I'd take the stadium full of idiots because yep. the likelihood is I'll be with the people I usually go to football with um, and the guys around me that sat near me for 100 years and you don't know their name or who they are. It's just the, the guys you go to football with that sit around you and it's, it'll be great to be back in that atmosphere again, whether it's a few idiots abusing one guy again, which I'm sure that will happen. Uh, it happens in Twitter, so it will happen in person, I'm sure. But uh, I would take that all day long over a soulless, empty stadium. Plus, yeah. th- the thing is as well, with like the people round about you slaughtering a player, I always find that the best time to overly aggressively celebrate when someone scores. So, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to punch you in the back of the head there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mentioned that in the thing that I wrote a while back about the kind of things that you miss about the football that you wouldn't necessarily kind of think about or wouldn't have thought were positives beforehand and, and the kind of shared cringe between all the folk you're with when the same person that maybe the same player they do or starts calling for subs in the 25th minute and all that kind of stuff you, even if even if you moan about it at the time you, the familiarity of it's a, a good thing like I'd, I wouldn't want to go to a, a stadium where I agreed with everyone yeah, I, I, no, I, 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 it'd be very boring. I really can't wait to be back five minutes into the first game back where fans allowed and someone shouts, "Change it up!" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm I've been that a day on my feet, given stinking to somebody. It just happens. It's just you, you do it without thinking about it. Sometimes some people do, some people don't. So I can't confess to sitting in my hands for ninety minutes, but uh, some people do take it overboard. I've got to say. Uh, Mark McFadden is asking, are we playing Pep's Barca or the fakes on Sunday? No sure over the way the media are going on about them. I mean... I totally agree with that. They're, they're not that good. Like, I'm, I'm not saying they're a bad team. They deserved a cup win. It's, there were it's two brilliant. goals better than us to get yeah. that top six. Um, and, and even then, it's a debatable two goals. It's it's literally it's one goal in the second half in any of those five games before the... Yeah. The split mm-hmm. against shite teams where we didn't see it so it's, it's literally one goal in any of these game, those games and you're not even talking about goal difference so mm-hmm. I think um, 
I don't think we've got much to fear going into the weekend at all. No. I'm not saying we're favourites, I, I don't think we are, but we shouldn't be sitting shaking in our boots about mm-hmm. Scotland's next great double winners. Aye. Uh, Josh asks, which is seems harsh, seeing that what we, we were talking about him earlier, but if Lee Irwin was to take up another profession, as he's clearly not a footballer, what would it be? <laughs> <laughs> um, what about Prime Minister? Because the guy he's doing at the now seems to be a hopeless tadger that doesn't know what he's doing. So he's a he's a big blonde fud as well. <laughs> he's a big blonde fud that's not very good at his job. So I mean, if anyone had watched Bloody Line of Duty, he could have fucking turned out to be H, and that would have been a <laughs> fucking ending. Callan asks, what position needs strengthened the most in the summer and who would you like to see assigned? So we kind of already mentioned who we'd like to see assigned, but what position do you think we need strengthened most? I think we need wide players. Mm. I think, yeah, another think, winger would be. Quite I think we, we need at least one winger so that if Dermis stays, there's genuine competition for him at the very least, you know, potentially Connolly's away, like, so you'll, you'll be short in numbers anyway, but even if, if both of them stay, I still think we need someone with a bit of a bit of quality to, to be right on both of their heels or, or to give them something to chase, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with Mark. I think uh, wingers are our number one priority. Maybe a recognised uh, left-back, but mm-hmm. Tate there, I mean, he's been tremendous all season, hasn't he? So it's not as if it's, we've got a Callum Waters situation in our hands, but I think wingers, first and foremost, yeah. um, maybe a central midfielder, as I said. But uh, yeah, I agree with Mark. Uh, DJ Boyd of Teardrop Down fame has asked will Christian Dennis score over 20 goals next season I think it There's depends on who's signed round about him yeah, he's a potential too don't get me wrong he, he, he's a good uh, he's an instinctive finisher a good striker as we've seen so if a chance he's dropped him then there's every chance but I wouldn't mind being sheared around there should be an easy fairly similar stature to to Brophy, uh, you've got to you've got to hope that Brophy's going to nail down first choice for what he does. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think it will be for lack of lack of trying if Dennis doesn't score that next season. But I just don't know if he'll get the get the opportunity. Mm. Uh, Graham has asked: Shag, marry, kill Tony Fitzpatrick, Danny Lennon, and Jim Goodwin. Uh, I would. Which one's sitting in a bus stop in Cancun for you, Ross? <laughs> ah, good luck with this edit, Jamie. You mentioned it over the um, I would marry Jim Goodwin because he'd protect you and keep you safe, wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, I would kill Danny Lennon because he just gets my fucking nerves. He's a tool. And, uh, well, he's not a tool. He won the League Cup, but I'd still have a statue of him doing... He's a bit embarrassing, isn't he? I mean, he's murder drills in his pants outside the stadium. Ah, it's a bit kind of brutal. And uh, who was the other one? Uh, Tony Fitz. I need to shag Tony pumped. Fitz then. Uh, and he's getting pumped. You've seen that, you've seen that t-shirt? He's, he's, a, he's a handsome guy. Uh, he is, he is. <laughs> he's packing. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I would marry Danny Lennon if I wouldn't suspect that he would send their hypothetical kids off to a training island. <laughs> um, so he'd probably just have to get pumped unfortunately um, you know I get what you're saying about Jim Goodwin wanting, you know protecting you and all that but 
Tony Fitz just seems like the nicest guy. Yeah, I know, true. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to grow old with Tony. <laughs> aye. aye, that's a great show. Big Goodwin's gorgeous as well. We would, um, I know, I'll change it, change it to what Mark said. Thanks. So, what? So, I think the podcast consensus <laughs> is Shag Jim Goodwin, um, <laughs> marry Tony and kill Danny. Yeah, that's for me. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to accept that that people have spoken. Mark's really upset about this. You can see these faces. <laughs> Part of me feels like Danny Lennon's actually going to die. Oh. <laughs> we all do one day, Mark. Oh. Uh, Mattman has asked, who, oh, was the, ledge. "Who was the better manager, Ian Murray or Aldo Stubbs?" Uh, oh, Jesus! Fuck. A... If you're going on for other people, then you know one one Scottish Cup probably pushes it the way of of Stubbs. But how he didn't get that Hibs team promoted, I'll mm-hmm. I'll never know. Um, I I think they're both fucking hopeless. Although is he, he is Ian Murray it? still the Airdrie manager? I think so. Well, he seems to be I'm doing sure. all right with them. So and yeah, S- Stubbs is only Stubbs is the most objectionable. Stubbs is. Stubbs is bottom of the pile for me, and I know it's not. If you if, if you were to, to say this, if you were to take like the whole arsehole factor away, right, and if you just put their managerial records, yes, Stubbs won the cup with Hibs, but he also had one of the best Hibs teams in the champion. Well, best one of the best teams in the championship, and couldn't get out of it. He, is it if he, <clears throat> the question of manager or where were they at St. Mun? I don't. It just says manager. Yeah. Who was the better manager? Because where were they at St. Mun's a a harder debate, I would think, because mm. they're both they're both fucking awful. Yeah. Stubbs's records probably looks better in terms of percentages, but it was because uh, there was so few mm-hmm. so few games and like the, you know the wins that he's claiming there was obviously the front, the opening day win, which Jack Hamilton kindly gifted to us. And yeah. um, but the rest of it will be propped up by Shanners in the League Cup. Like yeah, I think um, Ian Murray's stats are probably I can't I did look this up at one point, but He's probably in the basement, but I, I've, I've got to have Stubbs down in terms of the overall car crash of that yeah, I, that, that few months. Stubbs is, is the basement for me. I, can't, I mean, I can't look past that. I think I've got Ian Murray bottom position purely based on the doing we took at Capolo mm. and the fact that he signed Luke Conlon. <laughs> now, who looked at Luke Conlon and thought, Aye, he's he's the guy for me. He's going to carry us as left back throughout the season. I mean, fucking yeah. hell. I think Ian um, Murray, uh, not for me. Ian Murray came into a team of ours which was would already have been low on confidence if I hadn't been relegated yeah. mm-hmm. and had to try and rebuild something there. Whereas Stubbs took over, possibly the most optimistic looking Summers squad <laughs> in recent history, and drove it into the ground in the course of nine games. I know you're um, right, Mark. I put your medals if, in the bin. No, I, if, if that if that team talk story is true about no, you might what was it? You might as well stick them in an envelope and post them off to Lewis Morgan. Get a fuck for that. It still frustrates uh, me so much that Gooty and Patrick Cliver applied for that job. <laughs> and Gordon Scott says, "No, we need to go with someone who knows the Scottish game," and that's what we fucking came out with. And we picked a guy that didn't know the Scottish game. A guy that had John McGinn and didn't get promoted. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I mean, I, I was pretty excited when we, we appointed him. I thought he was a good appointment. On paper, at the time, you kind of went when you were like, you were dreaming that Gooty came in. Oh, of course. Like, but like when he hired you, went, yeah, it's probably more a realistic appointment. And he mm-hmm. keeps saying that he's got all these links with other clubs and he's going to bring in all these marquee players. And. Mm-hmm. <sighs> 
Tony Stokes doesn't show up for a flight in here with <laughs> <laughs> oh, two, two awful managers, awful blokes as well by all accounts. So, uh, yeah. so final question, and it comes from Chris Daly again. So, St Mirren win the Scottish Cup or Scotland qualify out the group for the Euros? You have to choose one, and the disclaimer is, however, that none of us on the podcast are allowed to travel to Europe to see Saints on their European adventure. Which are you choosing? Scottish Cup quite long. Yeah, every day of the week. Yeah. I think there's a there's a conversation to be had there about Scotland winning the Euros or Scotland winning the World Cup or something daft like that. And you'd maybe you would you know there's a, a debate to be had, but th- that's the level you're needing to get to for it not to be someone to pick up some yeah. some silverware for me. I, I genuinely count us winning the League Cup, and and let's be honest, the League Cup is a diddy cup. Mm-hmm. I count as winning that as genuinely one of the happiest days of my life. It was, <laughs> that was, to be I fair, was in tears when much, that happened. Like as, as much as you wanted it to be a Diddy Cup, we beat Celtic in the semis after going a goal down. We beat Hearts in the final after going a goal down. Beat Aberdeen. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we beat the we beat the best that was yeah. on the in front of us to to get there. And I, I'm not meaning to to do that down at all. But the League Cup is very much the third the third trophy, and yeah. I, I was inconsolable when the final whistle went that day so it just, yeah, the, the Scottish Cup would be I, I can't even imagine how it would be just mean, the Scottish Cup it means more Mark I think you're dead on to be honest mate and um, Scottish Cup is the the pinnacle cup tournament especially obviously in Scotland but um, it just means more when your team wins something like that don't get me wrong Scotland win the World Cup for example and it's it's, uh, it's obviously more than good but I can't really see me being elated for so long about that. Just it's a good chance to get pushed and enjoy yourself the next day. Scotland win the World Cup, but someone win the Scottish Cup. That's as much says that's that's doing as one of the days of your life. So, I mean, you talk to guys that were there in '87, still talk about it. Yeah. It's been one of their best days of their lives, and it's just club football means more in most days, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. it's a question like that. Someone will always supersede. Uh, over national tournaments, I think. My my dad's a Celtic fan and a barhead boy. He's, he's not even like a Paisley born and bred, but and, and he was there in '87 and still talks about it. Yeah, regularly and talks about what the town was like after it. And you know, I appreciate that we're all, you know, <laughs> the kind of younger end here. So there's, you know, they got to imagine a healthy percentage of folk that listen to us were, were about for that or were there and and can tell us all stories about it. So it's kind of redundant us <laughs> talking about it, but. I can only. I'm just waiting for our kind of generation of mm-hmm. of Saints fans to get our '87. I think yeah, you know, if, if the League Cup was it, then I'm I'm never going to complain because that was that was a special day as as you could have had for that. But uh, winning the Scottish Cup, if it, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. getting ahead of myself and it doesn't have to be this season or whatever else. But when that happens, it's it's one of those ones that you know already you're going to look back on and remember for for the rest of your days. So. The disclaimer on that question was, though, that we couldn't go to any of the European games. I've never seen us in Europe before anyway, so it's not as if... Yeah, it's no way. Uh, it'll be a bit of a gutter, but as Matt says, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're missing if you've never, never done it before. Yeah. But also I went to Wrexham, so I've had an away trip on. Uh, so, I mean, both Mark and I were in Wrexham. We've been in European tours. Yeah. I mean, I went to Balamina. So. Uh, fair enough. I mean, Mark will, will vouch for me, but St Martin could be drawn in Europe to some far-flung war-torn city or country and it probably still won't be as bad as Rexham. <laughs> <laughs> I had a nice day. Oh, told you at home, man. 
but, <laughs> never mind about Lego, which is the only regret about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like even though luckily if we do win the Scottish Cup and we do make Europe, that isn't a disclaimer, and we can go and um, like. I think that would just be. I just want to see Sitmorn in Europe in my lifetime, where I can actually go to a European away game. I don't want us yeah. to be drawn against fucking Linfield or something and fuck it up. I'd I'd, <laughs> I'd like to go to a country I've never been to, or probably one I've never even heard of. One of them, one of, one of these the new only... countries that came out of the like the fall of the Soviet Union or Yugoslavia. <laughs> see the the kind of constant success of of following an old firm team, and I just it doesn't attract me at all. I, I think you know you can kid yourself on all you want, but I think that happening every season and if it doesn't happen and it happen it's a bad season I just it doesn't carry any luster for me at all and, and our way of plugging away and then maybe once every 10 years or so you get a day that really counts is absolutely the way I want to go and, and the only time I'm, I'm ever really like jealous of you know guys that I work with or Celtic fans or whatever else is when they're talking about you know mid-July late July you know if we can get a flight to if we can get a flight to Belgrade and then you transfer to to Sofia and then it's only a 14 hour train journey to get out to Astana <laughs> like I would love just one absolutely mental day like or few days going out to see someone playing 40 degree heat in some absolute you know as you were saying some absolutely like absolute backwater where there's you know like three corner flags and, and everything else and like the stewards have got Kevlar on I just I would love <laughs> one, one proper mental mental midweeker yeah, like that that you can, can you imagine a, hang your hat on a JB's bus trip to North Macedonia oh that'd be incredible I mean <laughs> I've got, a, I've no got a mate, I think we all know me, Paul Byers oh, God, who I follows think, Celtic yeah. everywhere and some of his stories and some of the places he's been and some of the money he's spent to be honest but some of the journeys and, and things he's been on looks incredible and I, I would give my left hand just for one of them yeah. just one uh, shitey away trip to see he's getting beat 5-0 by somebody you've never heard of I, I would take that all day long mm-hmm. uh, I'm really yeah, jealous yeah. when I hear guys going away like that as Mark said it's something it's something to tick off the Scottish Cup and a European tour and I don't really know what else there is to tick off as a yeah. Simon fan strangely but hopefully we get to do both of them in the summer Can we just at this point take a quick second to for all us saying this, talk about the fact Kelly got into Europe for the first time and went for long and get pumped out by a part-time <laughs> team. That, do, do you know what's glorious about that? That like if if Murn make um if we do make Europe, that's impossible to happen because of this new conference league. Oh, is it? Yeah, so we so yeah. we, we essentially go straight into a qualif- the final qualifier for the Europa League, which we win. We end up in the Europa League. If we lose, we end up in the Conference League and we're still in Europe to December, so we know we'll get at least one mental away trip and we'll be in Make it. Europe uh, to December. Fuck it. Make it Ashwood City. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think we'll call it at that. Uh, thank, again, thank you again for all your questions. Remember to visit our merch store. Link is in the podcast bio. You'll be able to find it on Twitter as well. We've obviously got the new Barcelona Cup uh, t-shirt. For the people asking... The, no, the when it says new camp, it means new playing field. It is not or the oh, there's not a mistake on the t-shirt. It's from the original poster. So please stop sending your messages. But thanks. Anyway. <laughs> please send us pictures and stuff as well if you've got the prints. So yeah. you've got the, the t-shirts. I'd be really keen to see them like and up close. It's it's one of our great hobbies as well. When the we all start opening back up that we want to spot Misery Hunter's merch out and about and Sam uh, actually spotted someone in Asda today uh, wearing a, a Mark Gardley hoodie and 
I can't wait to like the, the greatest thing about this Barcelona Cup one is people have been buying tote bags. I can't wait to be an Aldi and seeing someone packing all their shopping in it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you know you've made up. That's what I want to see. <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening. And uh, as always, fuck Alex Ray. Fuck Riyad Mahrez. Fuck Cancun as a holiday destination. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Maurice Ross. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.